we had a problem with our spare room. Our spare room had a small air brick in the top of the wall, um, which was letting in freezing cold air during the winter. So this week, my brother was down, and he asked whether he could be helpful. And so we asked him whether he could fill this small air brick with expanding foam. This was a great idea, and he set to squirting this bottle, this canister of what looked to be a little bit like shaving foam, into the air brick. And we went out and had lunch. It turns out that expanding foam expands. And so what we came home to was a giant basketball-sized lump of foam attached to the carpet which had travelled from the roof brick in a slidey, slug-like pattern all the way down the spare room wall. What we now have to do is redecorate. It made me realise a few things. Firstly, something about intention. My brother set out with every good intention to do a really great job and to stop the room being cold, and he's achieved that. We just have to redecorate. So something about intention. Good intentions actually need the right foundation. You don't need a whole canister of expanding foam for an air brick. Secondly, it reminded me that life is messy. And thirdly, it reminded me in a really powerful way that when the kingdom of God is an expanding one, we have no control over it. So they're the three themes that I'm going to be picking up out of this reading. Intention, mess and expansion. In the passage that Joyce read to us, we are diving straight in to the middle of an opening prayer that Paul has been writing to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a bustling economic city of huge industrial significance at the centre of Asia Minor. And Paul is speaking to a complicated Gentile context, encouraging them to stay firm in their newfound faith in Christ amidst all of the temptations and ideologies that were present in their locality. Paul here is talking about the importance of unity, both for Jews and Gentiles, as those who have both been saved through grace and through Jesus' death and resurrection something that was perhaps harder for the Jewish converts to accept than the Gentiles. But there's something here about intentions. Paul is emphasising unity in this passage, and the very fact that he's talking about unity perhaps suggests that they were anything but unified. Paul is determined to open up the possibilities of the kingdom of God to Gentiles and to break down all of the barriers that were there between the Jews and these new converts. We're able to hazard a guess that perhaps these two communities were doing anything less for each other. Now we have to say that Paul's pastoral practice is somewhat heavy-handed at times. And here is no exception. He uses doctrinal statements and theological imagery and an argumentative rationale in something that's actually meant to be an opening prayer. 
But he's been doing this to try and speak to their behaviour, to speak to their understanding, to speak to their minds as well as their hearts and to change their practice. Ephesus risks being a divided city, a place of competing agendas, a place of segregation or exclusion zones, some real, some imagined, some theoretical. Who's in? Who's out? Who belongs? Who doesn't? And this in a city whose economic stability is necessarily equal to social inclusion, the need to get along so that we can continue to get along. With these great intentions of a vibrant, industrial, multicultural trading city, they need to have the right foundations. But not just economic ones, relational ones, the social foundations of being able to live and work alongside each other, because ultimately their relationship is an equal one in Christ. It made me wonder about our intentions, our good intentions, and our right foundations today. Dare we open up the kingdom of God, rather than create barriers and boundaries that exclude other people? Two or three weeks ago in Southport, the Methodist Conference met 341 representatives from across the UK and the World Methodist Church meeting to set the policy and the agenda and the programme for the Methodist Church for the coming year. And anyone would think that we were in Ephesus. There were debates about how we can live with differing opinions when it comes to same-sex marriage. How do we challenge bullying and harassment and deal with conflict and discipline well. The young people of our Methodist church asking for debates on cohabitation and transgender. Significant pieces of work on how we live with the realities of the past cases review and historic child abuse, enabling the Methodist church to be a safe place for all people to meet with Jesus afresh or theological debates about how we use our sacramental practice, baptism or communion, that enables people to fully participate, to receive from God, to make public declarations of their faith in ways that make sense to where they've come from and where they're going. Trying to hold unity whilst hosting a number of significant, divisive and potentially exclusionary debates. So maybe Paul has something here for us. I love the Methodist Church because it's a Methodist Church of an open table, an invitation for all to receive from God and to participate fully in the kingdom. And yet quite often... We are the ones causing the stumbling blocks rather than the cornerstones to that exploration. Perhaps there is a fresh challenge for us to get our intention and our foundation right, to put our priority on Christ rather than a debating floor. Secondly, a reminder that life is messy. One of my favourite writers is a woman called Brené Brown. And she wrote this um, 
in a really significant book for me called The Gifts of Imperfection. She writes, So many of us run around spackling all of the cracks. Spackling is an American word for polyfiller. Think expanding foam without the expansion. So many of us run around spackling all of the cracks, trying to make everything look just right. But Leonard Cohen has said there's a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. So maybe this line helps me to remember the beauty of the cracks, the messy house, the imperfect writing, and the all-too-tight jeans. It reminds us that in our imperfections and our messiness, these are not inadequacies, but to remind us that we're all in this together, imperfect, but together. It's very tempting to spend our life spackling over the cracks rather than noticing that that's the way the light of Christ refracts into our lives and into the world. The messiness of life matters. In our messy lives, are we cornerstones or are we stumbling blocks? There's a game that um, we enjoy playing. It's a game called Jenga. Um, and, and it's lots of little wooden blocks, um, probably the size of a small chocolate bar. And, and you line them up in a big tower. And, and the idea is that you pull out one of the blocks and place it on the top of the tower until it all collapses on the floor um, and someone feels terribly embarrassed. That game relies on two or three significant blocks on each tower the cornerstone pieces, that once removed, everything collapses, but whilst there, sustains everything. But what I love about the game of Jenga is that even when it all collapses, there's the opportunity to rebuild, to redecorate a little. Life is messy, and sometimes it comes collapsing around, even when we think we have the cornerstones in place. And yet God's invitation to us time and time again is to put Christ as the cornerstone and to continue to rebuild and to live. The mess, the collapse of life is not the end. It's an invitation to keep on playing. And perhaps, like Brené Brown, we need to take it as gift. Many of us are living with the precariousness of our messy lives. The pivotal moments between life and death, hope and fear, courage and recklessness, doubt and certainty, laughter and tears, policy and vocation. And we could spend our time spackling over the gaps, hiding the mess and disengaging. Or we can notice the cracks Notice that they are the ways that the kingdom of God, the light of Christ, is refracting in. And let's recognise that we too have Christ as our cornerstone. Living in the 21st century raises a significant number of challenges for us as a human race. How do we live peaceably alongside those whose views and lifestyles we don't understand? 
How do we challenge economic systems which disadvantage the poor, the young, and the vulnerable in society? You have an invitation in your notice sheet to support the local food bank here. And I'd also encourage you to investigate the homeless period where tampons and sanitary products are provided for asylum seekers and homeless across the country who can't afford such luxuries as they're termed. At the start of the school holidays, how do we learn from young people rather than seeing them as problems? Life is messy. And yet Paul, in this passage, dives right into the midst of the mess and enables people to seek ways to build and recreate society, relationship and understanding rather than fueling ancient battles. Thirdly, expansion. The kingdom of God is expanding and expansive and we cannot control it. Like the expanding foam in my air brick, the kingdom of God and the spirit at work in our lives cannot be held back, even as my brother tried with gaffer tape and cardboard. A guy called Rick McKinley wrote this. As a recent convert, I was alive in wonder and it was changing my life. But looking around, I realised that most of Jesus' followers lived pretty much like everyone else, except that we hoped for heaven, some sort of eternal insurance policy. I felt a little bit disappointed, like I'd entered C.S. Lewis's wardrobe, full of anticipation. But instead of standing in a magical place with fawns and witches and every kind of possibility and even Turkish delights... I'd walked into a dentist waiting room. People sat around reading magazines, asking me to calm down, take a seat and to be quiet. They said it very nicely, of course, as you would in a dentist's office. The place was clean, with very polite smiles, sterile smells and bad music. So I just started killing time. In college groups, in church meetings, in church in Bible college. I even killed time as a pastor. But leaning back in my chair one day, I realised that the walls of this waiting room were actually paper thin, and behind that pale veneer existed an untamed, revolutionary reality. The world on the other side of the wardrobe did exist. You just have to tear down the fake walls, the cardboard and let yourself go crashing with wide-eyed anticipation into the world. And there it is, all around you, this beautiful mess, the kingdom of God. In this passage, Paul is inviting his readers, both Jews and Gentiles, to tear down the cardboard that was creating all of the barriers between them, and to pounce wide-eyed with anticipation into the expanding kingdom of God through Christ. That profound reality was breaking every boundary between law and grace, between groups of people, between expectation. 
Paul invites them to celebrate their invitation to be part of this new experience and to continue to invite others to join this revolution, this new world order. I wonder how we're doing with that too. Where are we noticing the kingdom of God in all of its expansion and uncontainable nurturing of people, groups and situations? And dare we stop spackling the metaphorical air bricks of our lives and allow the spirit of God to shed his light afresh in different situations and to change our understanding and perception. This isn't all dessert. At 23 weeks pregnant, I know what it's like to be expanding. It's uncomfortable. It causes quite a lot of reflux. It hurts and it's weird. When the stuff around you that you've known for your entire lives are changing, it can be uncomfortable. But that's part of the kingdom of God too. We're called to participate in a beautiful mess, not to create perfection in this life. So I wonder what the Spirit is birthing in you too, as individuals, as a community of people here on a warm Sunday evening, or even from the places that we've come from, our homes in this city or around the world. My brother did a great job with a simple air brick. Not only has he enabled us to think about redecorating our spare room, he's also given me a fab illustration for a sermon. It made me wonder, firstly, about our intentions. Are our good intentions set upon the right foundations with Christ? Is Christ our cornerstone? Secondly, it helped me think about life in the mess where we live faithfully and flexibly with the things that cause us difficulties. And maybe that we need the Spirit of God to help us make sense of the mess that we find ourselves in or that we just notice all about us and have no idea what to do about. And thirdly, about expansion. What is God birthing in us and in us as a community? And how do we say yes to that? even if it brings a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of reflux. Maybe, just maybe, the rebuilding starts with me. Maybe I need to stop spackling the cracks and to start expanding, just like the kingdom of God does in our midst.